Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. Very excited to bring you a very fun guest today. This is Tim Maids. He is a chef at the Omaha Country Club. Tim, welcome to the show. Howdy. Thanks for having me. Now, <laughs> that introduction that I just gave you is probably the shortest way that I That's, could introduce you. Yeah, it's easier but that way. <laughs> no, no, we're going to go through the whole thing. You are a chef at the Omaha Country Club. You also own the Benson Soap Mill. You have worked or cooked at Twisted Cork Bistro and Over Easy. You consulted for Mercury. You started the Tacos Rule Everything Around Me pop-up. You've hosted the Dandelion pop-up several times. You've done farm dinners. You're an avid gardener. Basically, like, your name is just, like, stamped all over the Omaha food scene. And I felt like I just kept seeing it everywhere. And I was like, I got to talk to this guy. I got to meet this guy. Like, how would you describe your role in the Omaha food scene? Oh, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot of work when you spell it all out like that. But um, I don't know, like I've that's the joke. I never really call myself a chef that much because my brother, Ben, you know, he's like the mm -hmm. rock star chef. And I've just kind of always had a little more fun with it. And that's kind of how I approach most of the food or anything I do. I just like to have fun with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm more like the food facilitator <laughs> for Omaha. You know, like I get stoked on stuff. I like I love the pop ups. I like trying new things. Um, and you know, Omaha, it can get boring sometimes. So you kind of have to, you got to be creative and you kind of have to make the city what you want. So if there's like, you're missing something, you know, like lunch downtown, like you have your same old choices and it gets boring. And so then something like Dandelion comes around and you're like, Hey, you can get chefs from all over the city, come out, create a unique menu that you'll, you've never eaten and you might, you may never eat again, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it just, you know, just has more fun with it like that. And that's kind of, I feel like that's why I end up doing a lot of. <laughs> yeah, th there's a value to having that flexibility where you're not going to the necessarily to the same place and doing the same thing and creating the same menu every day. But you're getting a variety of different experiences and you're getting to mix it up a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I guess. And it's funny that you called Ben, you know, the rock star chef, because I actually I, I found this quote that you gave a couple of years ago in a magazine and you use that that same description, you said, he's always been the rock star chef. My attention is more diverse. Yeah, Has that always been your approach or is that something you've developed over time? Uh, I mean, kind of, I mean like, and it's funny cause we'll always ask like, why don't you cook with him? And I was like, why don't you work for your brother? And I was like, well, last time we did a pop-up together, he like punched me in my arm. <laughs> so like, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe for not. Physical safety. Um, but we actually do a lot of like private dinners uh, and events together just cause like we can, you know, just read each other's minds. He's, he's always been more kitchen oriented though. And so I, I love, like, I love cooking, but I love, you know, I'll love the prep. I'll love serving the guests. I'll love, you know, chatting with everyone, making cheesy jokes. Like I'm, I like to grease the wheels, so to speak. So like, while he's hyper-focused on the food, which is why it's so amazing. I'll kind of hover and do everything else, you know, like he'll, be cooking something. I'll have already done the dishes for the next course or something like that. Yeah. So you guys compliment and each other. So yeah, now well. it kind of works out like that. And I think from that is just that, yeah, his culinary education is incredible. And I, I've only learned just from working in kitchens. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was lucky just to kind of tag along with a lot of the places he's ended up at or cooked at. And so I think just based on that kind of dynamic is where I've, I've kind of learned to fill the gaps, you know, where he's, He's focused on other stuff. I'll kind of pick up in between and, and feel that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't go to culinary school. How did mm -hmm. you originally get into cooking? 
Um, that's yeah. My brother got a job at Espana back in the day, a long time ago. And I, then once like they were missing a dishwasher, and then they're like, I was kind of looking for a job in high school, and they're like, All right, let's have you wash dishes here. I was like, <laughs> Okay, cool. So for better or for worse, which is funny because that's how we met Carlos. Uh huh. And you know, the three of us are usually always intertwined in uh-huh. <laughs> in every aspect of food or whatever we're up to. Um, and that's, yeah, that's where I started cooking and I never really wanted to be a chef. I liked the work though. Um, just cause you know, it's, it's fast paced. It's never boring. It's different every day. I like all that. And then eventually, you know, like they're like, oh, we need like a cook on Garmanger on the cold side. So I started learning that stuff, you know, and Espana back then was like a, a freak show. It was like a powerhouse restaurant that we would do like over 230 covers on a night. You know, it's. Benson before Benson was anything. There was mm-hmm. a line out the door, and you know, in a in a neighborhood that the Westo folk would be like, "Oh, this is sketchy," and we're uh-huh. like, "This is," and we're like, "No, this is where the party is," you know. So it was really fun growing up in that environment and meeting a lot of those people at a really young age. But I think that's just where I was like, "Yeah, I kind of like this," even though I never really saw myself being a chef, but I really enjoyed the work and the the food and the community around it. Yeah. So at what point did it move from, okay, this is just a job that I'm taking because I want to have a job to, Hey, like this is something I actually want to devote more time to. And this is something I'm really passionate about and interested in. Um, that's a good question. That's well, what I usually say is like, I'm just a fat kid who likes food. So like (laughs) (laughs) inherently, if you're going to love food, you're, I'm like, okay, I better just learn how to make delicious food. If I'm going to want to eat delicious food all the time. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like I, I just I just like the work more honestly like I enjoy working with fresh food I enjoy the process the ingredients you know you literally break something down you know you have a carrot but you know with some boiling and whatever you can turn into like carrot puree and you have something completely different and amazing I think that's always the fun part and like we were even butchering chickens at Benji's farm a few weeks ago and that's the joke it's like you have like this live animal and then within like <laughs> goes pretty fast within a couple minutes you have like what we consider like meat or like food you know and yeah it's like an interesting process that you know not that many people see and then as a chef you kind of see the the life cycles of all that stuff you know like you see a carrot you're like not that excited about it or like an eggplant but if you grill it or marinate it then all of a sudden you're like okay this is this is a lot better yeah (laughs) than than where it started so i'm just i'm always so curious just like talking to talking to chefs and talking to cooks and creators like when you just when you see just even a humble ingredient like you just mentioned an an eggplant does your mind even like subconsciously start like breaking it down and thinking about here's what I could do with it maybe if I prepared it this way what would that do to the flavors like what could I pair it with it does your mind just automatically start (laughs) doing that I mean for a lot of and it's funny just because you know food is so inherently ingrained in like memories and flavor, how and smells, you know, how it's all so connected. Um, that's like, yeah, when I see eggplant, like I was growing some in the garden and like one of them was like beautiful. It was like, I was like, this is the most beautiful eggplant I've ever seen, you know? And I mostly got excited, but then immediately my brain is like, you know, what would you do with that? And it's like, it was this recipe that, or I don't know if it was a recipe, but my mom used to make this Italian marinated eggplant. Mm-hmm. And uh, where she like seared it and then packed it with like basil, olive oil, and like all this good stuff. Um, and like that's my brain immediately. I was like, that's what I'm going to do with that eggplant. So it's not, I'm not always like, and it's, I think a lot of chefs end up being like this, which is why, you know, learning everything is so important because like you end up just kind of falling back to a lot of things that you've had and enjoyed. 
Um, just cause you're like, Oh, like that's easy and delicious. And so you kind of revert to these things. And that's like, I'm like, Oh, immediately that's like, that's what I want to do with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is funny. Cause Benny was giving me some grief cause we, I like made this recipe for this eggplant and we've been joking about it the last week. Cause I live with another chef, uh, Josh Poe. And he was like, oh, yeah, we used to make that marinated eggplant at Ovali or something. I was like, dude, that's my recipe. <laughs> and then he's like, no, nah, Benny said it was his recipe. And then we started this whole thing. And then, like, a week later, I see my brother. And he's like, I heard you're telling everyone that this is your recipe when it's my recipe. <laughs> he's like, no, there was no recipe. I was, we were just, like, joking about it. And I was like, listen, I made that recipe, bro. It's fine. But you you can use it. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Just just let him think just, that it's his. Yeah, I was like, like it's better that he, way. <laughs> he, can, he can win that battle in his own mind. But it is it is the best way. I should have you post the recipe. It is like the best way to eat eggplant. That's as far as I I love eggplants. I would love to try it. It's just, you know, just different and it's pretty easy. It's most stuff people have on hand, especially in the summer. If you got even a couple plants in the garden, Mm -hmm. totally, totally doable. Okay. We need to talk about dandelion pop-up because this is like, (laughs) this has become like my recent obsession because (laughs) obviously dandelion, it, went away for I think a little over a year and then COVID hit. So like I've been excited about dandelion for a while now, but I actually hadn't got the chance to go before this year. And now I've been several times. And the first one that I went to was yours. You hosted the first week. And that was, that was kind of the first time, like I'd seen you a lot on social media and stuff. That was the first time I actually saw you in person. So I need to know. So, okay. Back up real quick for anyone who doesn't know what dandelion is. It is a small building downtown. It's a pop-up where a different chef every week is invited in by the owner, Nick Bartholomew, and they're just allowed to, or not even a chef necessarily, but even a cook, they're just allowed to create their own menu. And for a couple hours on Friday, they serve lunch and it's a really cool event. Like people just eat outside. It's super safe, social distant, all that good stuff. So now that we've got that background there, I need to know what is the experience of working a dandelion pop-up event like? I mean, the like the joke is you want to think it gets easier every time you do it, but it, it just doesn't. Like, How many times have you done it? Uh, I think that was my second. Was it my third? Yeah, it was my third. Time. Okay, third time. Um, yeah, like I'm like okay, let's see. But yeah, no, the first one. It's always funny because you know Nick Bartholomew. He's he's got the crazy idea energy, uh-huh. and then. Sometimes I'm really into it, and sometimes I'm like, I don't know, man. This, like, this sounds like a lot of work, you know? Uh-huh. And I'm always trying to avoid working more, which is a joke, because then I end up doing it anyway. But, yeah, that's I think that's how it started. And so he was like, yeah, I got a guy. He's doing the first one, so we'll work out the kinks or whatever. And then I was like, sweet, I'll be the second guy. Then they can deal with, you know, the inevitable mishaps that always happen. And then I'll just show up and do my first one. And then, of course, that first guy bailed, you know, and then, like, I show up, like, it was completely illegal in the health and, like, safety department and all that because, like, I had been, I think I was doing it as a promotion for Treme for the tacos with everything around me because we were doing an event at V Mertz in, in, like, a month or something. So then I was like, oh, I'll just do some tacos. You know, nothing crazy because we'd never done it before. We didn't know the turnout, what would happen. And then I remember I'm unloading... And uh, Christina Alley was helping out, and then Nick Bartholomew was there, and she comes over, and she was like, dude, it's not looking good. Like, the health inspector's here. He's, like, going to shut everything down because this is not legal. And, uh-huh. we're like, and then I was like, is Nick talking to him? And then she's like, yeah, he's like, they're talking right now. I was like, oh, yeah, keep unloading. Like, let's go. Like, <laughs> we'll figure this out. I don't know how, but, if, you know, when Nick is hopped up on something, you know, he'll figure it out. And so, yeah, we just kept unloading. And, you know, it was just dumb stuff, you know, like, 
triple compartment sink, you know, just random things. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the food was prepared in a restaurant. So it was, I was like, well, the food's good. So, and we were ready to like even do like a donation and have people tip pay for, you know, just whatever to get by it. But I think they let it slide that time. And then, you know, then they made us change a couple things and that that's pretty much how it started. But it's, yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> just the concept <laughs> itself is so fascinating to me and no one else in Omaha has really done it, at least not to my knowledge. So when Nick first brought this idea to you a couple of years ago, had you heard of this? Did you like, did you think it was a good idea? Were you like, dude, you're crazy. I don't know what this is. Like, what was your reaction? Um, I mean, I love pop-ups. Like I did one with my good friends, Tim and Rika. They just moved back from LA, but we did one on a, like, I I always say, I'm like, this is the first pop-up in Omaha. Because I know there's that outstanding in the field. I think they mm-hmm. do like national stuff. But I was like, as far as like just chefs kind of having fun with it, because uh, they were moving to LA. Uh, this was like five years ago. And we did it behind like Big Muddy Urban Farm on 33rd and Cali. Mm-hmm. We set up table, like set up some lights and like, I don't know, just, just winged it basically. And so I, I kind of like that cooking because hey, it takes you out of the kitchen. That's nice, you know. Um, you're completely out of your comfort zone. Like, we were cooking a pig over a fire. Like we didn't know what we were doing. Uh-huh. And so then, you know, Nick was like, well, we got this little space. And I was like, well, that should inherently be easier already. Right. Like it's at least somewhat of a structure, even though I just called it a snack shack. Um, but yeah, when he, when he brought it up, I was like, well, yeah, like, why would we not do that? You know, like I love, I love street food. I love that outdoor vibe of just getting some food. I, like I just call it Euro style, you know, where you're just walking and you can grab something awesome to eat sit anywhere and like really engage these public spaces, which I feel like Omaha kind of struggles with, you know, mm-hmm. there's, like a, there's a whole riverfront and like, no don't one's use there. It. Like yeah. <laughs> if everyone's like, I don't want to sit in the sun here. Thanks. So it's, it's always kind of fun to play with these spaces that engage people and what better, better reason to bring people than with food. So mm-hmm. <laughs> now when I went to the first one and saw you working, it was like, it was like 95 <laughs> to 100 degrees on the outside. I can't even it imagine happens. what it was like in the kitchen. You guys are all sweating and you're like taking turns. We could hear you, you know, people are like, all right, you need to take a five minute break, get out of here and like get some water and everything. Just what is the experience of working one of those events like? I mean, is it just like an insane three hours just constantly moving are there breaks like how does it work just tell me everything i'm fascinated yeah, okay well like <laughs> the joke is that i i always do this to myself and i was still working full-time you know a lot of people do it like own a restaurant uh-huh. and they can prep there you know they have employees and stuff i'm like no it's just me like <laughs> so i like roped in my old roommate lauren who was visiting so i had her help me serve i had my roommate josh i made him prep for me and like so I was working every night at the country club and then I would go prep a little bit at Akron every night. And the, the night before the to-do list just got crazy long that we literally prepped until six thirty in the morning, the day of the event. Uh-huh. I went home, slept like an hour and a half. Joshy didn't sleep at all. We woke up and like started unloading down there and it's like at like 9am and you're really like sweating through everything you have. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, that was definitely the most intense one. I mean, just cause the prep just took forever, like way longer than I had anticipated. And I'm always like, why do I do this? You know, like, <laughs> what, like what have I done? And yeah, it was brutally hot. I just remember in the middle of the shift, I'd like juiced a lime in my water and took like the fattest handful of salt 
and just threw it in my water because, yeah, Joshy and Lauren, they were just baking. Like, Lauren lives in Cali. Joshy, he's been furloughed, you know, so they hadn't – I'm kind of used to it in the heat and cooking mm-hmm. from the club because it gets over almost 120 degrees on the line there, and I was just like – I just knew I had to keep going because I didn't want them to, like, get sick, so I just had them tap out. But I just – I think I was just jacked up on adrenaline and no sleep because I just – I didn't step out until two, basically. I, Holy cow. From the moment we opened, which we had technical difficulties, as always. Of course. Getting the fryer started. We wanted to batch things in advance, have it fried up in the hot box. None of that happened. As always, the line, you know, I'm looking up. I can I can barely look up, you know, the few times I did. Um, I'm just glad I had that buff thing catching my sweat. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> I would have just, like, literally melted into a puddle. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's intense and it's fun and, like, just – hearing the feedback and people enjoying it was that's what makes it worth it for me. You know, everyone's like, man, we've had nothing to look forward to for so long. Like the people came out and they're like, I saw acquaintances, you know, like run into people like no one's done that all, you know, since mm-hmm. March or whatever. So it's, it was a fun event and that's usually why I do it. I just like to engage people and have them come out and, you know, have fun with it. Like I said, that's what I do, but I don't think a lot of people realize actually, <laughs> Like how much work what, it is. Yeah, how much work it is or like and now that I'm thirty three, I'm like, yeah, I think I think I might be <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling this. it a little more than I used to. I was like because yeah. yeah, even I think it was my roommate, he's like, dude, like you've you've been in the shits before, but he was like, This is one for the books. And uh-huh. as we're like the sun is rising and we're like, Yeah, this is probably the last one for a while. We'll see. But no, I I do love it. Like it is it is fun and as long as people enjoy it and come out, I mean, that's what that's why I like doing it. Well, yeah, I just I wanted to say thank you, honestly, because I mean, that hard work is yeah. very appreciated because it's like it's exactly what you just said. Like Omaha doesn't really have just kind of that like gathering space almost. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like even this past week, uh, David Lasole was was doing his pop up down there and I went down for lunch and I met we're in this Omaha food lovers group and I met four people that I'd never actually nice, met yeah. in person before, but like we recognize each other from the group and like it was actually putting a, you know, a real face to this name never would have happened without Dandelion. Like yeah. that was the connector right cool. there. And that was food bringing people together. And I think that that's just such a cool thing. When you kind of look at that, what do you think Dandelion means just to the overall Omaha food scene? I mean, it is impressive that like such a little thing could do so much. And I think, a lot of it has to do with timing. I mean, like that little stand. Like you just see this empty shack. and then It is a snack shack. It's totally a snack shack. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, maybe put the fryer outside. Like, <laughs> But, yeah, like Nick, you know, he, he has these ideas. And, I, you know, that's why I said with him, I was like, oh, like, should I get roped into this or not? But, like, he comes at me with this idea, and then I see it. I was like, you know, if I see that, I was like, all right, we can do this. Like, this has potential. And, I mean, it's dope that, you know, A, that people come out and support it because I think that's so much fun. Um and it works both ways. Like as chefs and cooks, it lets you play with things you normally wouldn't cook or try out new things. Um, as customers, you could enjoy new food. You get to run into people. And it's cool that now during COVID that it's it's like the place. You know, it, mm-hmm. it became even more than we even would have guessed. Because it's outside. It's outside. It's safe. It's like, and you, yeah, it's great. And you don't have to stay long. You can take it to go. Right. Chill out for a minute. You know, like, I mean, I... I just bike down there. Sometimes I can, if I have time before work, I'll just ride my bike down, eat great lunch, and then bike home and then get to work. You know, like it's a fun, just a way to kind of mix up your Friday. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm glad it's caught on. I'm glad Omaha digs it. And 
Yeah. And just again, engage, engaging that area because, you know, you have the old market and that's kind of the only spot where people really kind of walk. Right. Yeah. And so I'm always like, I mean, that's, yeah. Transportation is like a whole nother thing. Like I said, I get involved in all sorts of stuff, but I ride my bike a lot. So uh -huh. like, I'm always trying to be aware of like accessibility for people to get to these places and stuff like that. Now you mentioned this is dandelion is an opportunity for chefs and cooks to try out some new things. So like, how do you develop the menu that you're going to provide uh, during service? Usually it's just like, like, what am I craving? <laughs> Which is funny because after a dandelion, like I didn't want to look at a torta. Ever. Like I was like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to look at it. Like, which is funny because I was craving them so much. That I was like, oh, I'm going to make those. Um, and I think that's just how it started. Like I love Mexican food. I actually got to go to Mexico before COVID hit. That was really awesome. And I just love the ingredients. I love the food, all that stuff. And so I was like, you know what, what should I do? And you're kind of just brainstorming, but it's kind of whatever's like on your mind at the time. And so before that, I did the German, the German beer garden, mm -hmm. which I loved. That was dope. Actually, I was going to do that in the spring, but then the schedule got canceled. I was going to do something like that again, mm -hmm. like European light German food, which is like an oxymoron, but it exists. It's just like <laughs> hard to find. But yeah, I was just craving tortas. And then, you know, the sweet corn was really good. And we were kind of, yeah, I, I love you, Lotte, the street corn. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, you know, how can we have like a fun, simpler version of that? Because I've made it a handful of times. And then, you know, Josh, he worked at Sternella with Matt Mosier, and he was like, oh, we had this dope corn fritter recipe. Oh, those are so good. And then, yeah, luckily, I mean, that's that was all Matt. All I did was rearrange some of the ingredients. I, like, charred up the corn first and did uh -huh. some stuff to it to make it more elote-like and added my crema and my own spice chili blend on it. But, yeah, he he just came through in the clutch, was just like, oh, yeah, here's this dope recipe, and... And that's the scary part is like, you know, in the perfect world, you'd test all these recipes, you'd taste everything, but in literally actuality, which always happens to me, where we haven't had time to taste anything, like <laughs> we haven't proofed these recipes, we yeah. hope it works, like luckily other chefs come down and then they have it and I'm always like, all right, what are we missing? Like, does it need more acid salt? Like, I haven't tried it all together yet, so you got to tell me uh -huh. what's happening, but that's, it's, it's a little stressful just because, yeah, nothing is you're a coming up with these new recipes and concepts you've never done before. You haven't really had time to like sit down and eat it. And you know, you haven't like had three cooks be like, yeah, I think it's missing a little acid or mm -hmm. salt, you know? So I'm always just like, <laughs> hope it's good. You know, like it's like you let it go. It's this little bird and you're like, all right, I'm going to set it free. And hopefully it's, it'll fly. Cause who knows? But I mean, luckily, I mean, people seem to really enjoy the food, the fritters, uh, the nopales is fun because I like working with different ingredients. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, same with the chayote. And just like, I luckily I work with like a lot of really cool Mexicanas at work. And um, I even got to visit one of them, Maria. She was in Mexico while I was there. So I got to like hang out in her mom's little village in the middle of nowhere. And she like took me around and it was so awesome. And like we ground fresh masa like on the farm and like they're growing avocados everywhere and that's incredible and it was just amazing so like luckily i can pick up their brains about stuff and try new things but then i was like yeah i'm gonna make a a cactus torta like fried and they were just like they're like kind of looking at me like I don't, like mexicans don't eat that <laughs> and then i was kind of like i don't think white people do either you know i was like i don't think anyone I, and they're always like are they gonna like it like they're always kind of skeptical like you think white people are gonna like that and i'm like well let's find out you know like let's see what happens mm -hmm. you, know, you don't know until you try so it is kind of fun for me to to pull from both sides mm -hmm. but yeah luckily i just i work with some amazing amazing cooks as well so now you've mentioned 
a couple different times already just during this discussion, traveling to different countries and getting to try different things. I know from following you on Instagram that you are a very well-traveled individual. You've been to a lot of places. (laughs) You've made me very jealous with some of your travel pictures. That was the plan. (laughs) Why, why is travel so important to learning about food? Um, kind of like how I mentioned earlier, like just because smells and taste is so like rooted in your memories, it's, like my brother and I will like both remember flavors of something we ate like in Switzerland when we were little or something. We're like, Oh dude, that's it. Like, uh-huh. Holy cow. Um, but yeah, he, he was, when he was cooking in Italy and that's when I went out there like six or seven years ago, just cause they needed another cook. And he was just like, Oh, my brother's got a passport. Like, why don't you come out? And I was just like, <laughs> all right, sure. Whatever. You know, like he'd already been there and that was like insanely gorgeous. And I loved it. And it's funny cause for my birthday in July, he was like, wait till you see what I got you for your birthday. I didn't know what it was. And he whips out like this half wheel of cheese. Nice. And it was my favorite cheese from this area, Sutirol, uh, Alto Adige, like Northern Italy. And he was like, this is your favorite cheese. And I was like, dude, I haven't seen this in years, you know. But like Jim had some at the at the shop down there and he picked it up for me. And uh, it was just so awesome to just, you know, try these things that you've had from all over the place. And then, you know, each time you try something, you kind of like – unlocking new neurons in your brain and it kind of triggers different memories or you just have more ingredients in your repertoire or you you like more flavors that you've had and you kind of you can always pull from that it's like I call it like your toolkit and you're like oh yeah like do you remember this ingredient like that was delicious we can sneak that in this dish or something Um, so to me it's just the more you taste like the more your palate you know has been exposed to so to me, they kind of go hand in hand. <laughs> is there a specific example or two of that that really stands out where you tried something somewhere and you were just like, yes, this is awesome. I'm incorporating this into this dish, this dish, oh, this man. dish. Yeah, let me think. I mean, there was, I mean, some of it is usually just like meal inspired. I mean, like yeah. what I had in Mexico with my coworker Maria, she just made like, like green salsa and pork and like white beans and some tortillas. And I was, it was like the best. I was like, this is so good. You know, it's not, you're not out anywhere fancy. It was literally in this tiny village and that's what she made. And then when I got back a few weeks later, uh, we usually try to have a, like a dinner club with some friends, you know, every, every month or so. And I was like, I'm just going to make that like my own version of it. Mm -hmm. But, and then the the joke is that it's so simple. You're like, "Uh, how do I even do this? You know, like, (laughs) um, but that was really good. Um, trying to think what else, I mean, just. To me, it's just like the street food stuff Mm -hmm. ends up being the food that I really like. And so like, I don't need, it's, it's like, it's not over-engineered, you know, it's just like simple, effective. And that's when I was in Southeast Asia. I think that was like the jam, like Vietnamese food or some Thai food. Like I knew some Thai food, but I didn't really know that much. And then you go to Thailand and you realize that like everything you thought you knew about food is a joke because their fruit stands are like (laughs) out of this world. Basically you're like, I don't even know what this stuff is, you know? And then you're eating like fermented crab leg sauce and spicy papaya salads. And luckily I had some friends there and they were like, yeah, you should try this. Like they, why people don't eat this. And I was just like, all right, (laughs) I'll do it. (laughs) And it was funny because even one of the cooks after they were like, they asked him like, did he like it? Did he eat it? (laughs) And it was literally like these tiny little fermented crab legs and the papaya salad. And I was like, yeah, it was actually delicious. I mean, don't think about it too too long. Yeah, but it's, exactly. It was really good, yeah. So it is just fun to kind of rearrange these ingredients. Is that your favorite food travel trip you think that you've taken? Oh, man. I mean, yeah, Vietnam was, like, mind-blowing. I think because it's, 
I don't know, for Vietnamese food, you like know, everyone knows like the five kind of main Vietnamese dishes, but then to try it there and like all the different iterations and versions of it that are actually expressed there. And a lot of it, like just how simple and flavorful it is, is truly mind blowing. Whereas like, yeah, in Thailand, the food there was like, you have a billion ingredients. Like, I, I don't even know how people know how to cook Thai food. I'm just like, what? I imagine it's like Indian spices, you know, there's just like 30 things and one has one different ingredient and just cooking with that is like crazy. Well, is that part of the draw about cooking? Is that there's just always something more to learn? Like you, you never, there's not like some master's program that you graduate from and now you know all the cooking. (laughs) It's like, there's always something more that can be, that can be gleaned from just from travels, from eating different places, you know, just from different experiences. Totally. I mean, that's what I try to tell like any of my like cooks or anyone I've worked with. I'm like, to me, like if you're working somewhere and if you're not learning anything, like it's time to go because Mm -hmm. to me learning like while cooking or working in a restaurant is number one. Like that's my number one priority because I never went to chef school. I don't have like this foundation, I guess. So to me, if I'm working in a place where I've just, you know, I've made the same dishes for three years and I haven't learned anything new it's kind of like all right it's time to go and that's what i tell people i'm like man like the the moment you stop learning as a cook is like that's when the whole culinary scene moves by you you know mm-hmm. because you'll be here doing the same thing whereas the rest of the world is always going to keep trying stuff and so for me it's all about learning staying relevant trying this stuff um because yeah otherwise like that ship will just leave you and so yeah if to me priority number one is learning uh in any job i'm at and that way, like, well, yeah, when I travel, you know, you get to learn with how they do that, how they do stuff there, how they cook with these different ingredients. And like, that's, yeah, that's like the rabbit hole. <laughs> you know, you're just chasing it. You got to keep up, uh-huh. um, especially now with, you know, celebrity chefs and all this stuff. So we've mentioned Nick Bartholomew a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He he owns Dandelion, like we talked about, also owns Over Easy, um, you know, breakfast restaurant here in Omaha. He came on this podcast several months ago, and he mentioned appearing on this TV show. I think it was on NBC called this, yeah. Restaurant Startup. And he told me, okay, you got to go find this on YouTube or whatever and watch it. And so I tried to find the episode on YouTube, and it's like blocked. I mean, I spent like half an hour really? trying to find this episode, and I could not find it anywhere, which probably says more about my inability to use the internet than anything else. But okay. you were a part of that experience. Yeah. Can you kind of just... What was that experience like just um, going through the, like the whole food TV scene? It, it was crazy. I mean, it was tight. They were like, Hey, we got a stipend. You're flying to LA for this shoot. And I was like, okay, sweet. Like I got friends in LA. Let's go. Uh-huh. Um, I mean it, the most valuable lesson learned from it is that like all Hollywood is bullshit. Like that's the number one thing that I learned like immediately, you know, everything is, produced everything is a production um yeah yeah they like kind of like let you write your own verbiage kind of but like mine i was just like oh yeah like you know me and my team over easy we do this and they're like all right so we like that but just be like so i did this and i did that and i was like i don't think you know how a restaurant works because uh-huh. like <laughs> one chef can't do shit i don't know if you're like it doesn't matter if you're thomas keller like alone you're nothing you know that's like rule number one so it's just funny because they're like, okay, yeah, we like this, but like, keep like, say how you did this and you did this, and I was like, no, like it's a, it's a kitchen, it's a team. Like, mm-hmm. I can't do it by myself if I didn't have these guys. So that was like, that's when I already I was like, eh, this is like rubbing me the wrong way, you know. Like, um, but it was fun to do. Um, 
I was in, they like woke you up at like five in the morning, threw you in this tiny, weird little like commercial kitchen where you like cook the food first. And that's what the judges already ate. And then you cook it again for like the prop, you know, for mm-hmm. like show. And then they like eat it and it's cold, but then they're like, oh, it was delicious. And they probably like spit it out right after like all that stuff. And so, but I mean, that, that part was for real. Like they jammed you in this tiny kitchen. You're half asleep. You know, you're working in a new kitchen with, they like tried to buy the ingredients that were closest to what you needed, you know, mm-hmm. but like one lady at this fried chicken joint, like cut her finger and her balloon like her her glove is like ballooning with blood and we were like okay this isn't looking good (laughs) and then like these other guys are like bumping into each other i'm like trying to cook in my little area and that like things are about to scorch or bubble over and i'm starting to like adjust i'm like yo like what's i'm not trying to cook their stuff i'm like what's happening here like no one knows what's going on so it's like really stressful um and then you kind of like do this i don't know this stage thing but i liked ours because we were just pretty we're really genuine like uh-huh. there's like yeah we're from omaha like we don't do hollywood stuff and they it's like two restaurants compete kind of and mm-hmm. the other dudes were like these two knuckleheads from la they were like really dramatic and i realize now i'm like yeah that's great for tv like people get bored watching me they're like all right this guy is just <laughs> chilling you know that's, yeah. this is really <laughs> boring a normal guy yeah, like and these other dudes are like you know fighting and yelling and i was like dude it's like six in the morning let's chill out you know uh-huh. like, let's let's slow down um, but that's when I realized, like, yeah, that's what, you know, that's what mainstream, you know, like, popularity TV, that's what they want. You know, they want this drama and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't want that in my kitchen. I got enough stuff to, <laughs> to deal with, you know. Like, I don't want yelling and fighting. Um, but, yeah, it was a great experience. Like, I think it made us look awesome. You know, I, I really liked what we did. We just came out, represented, and and there's, like, yeah, there's a cheesy video clip there somewhere. I know you'll find it at some point, but... I, I think Nick put oh, it on it. Instagram <laughs> yeah. a couple weeks like ago before you did it. Dandelion yeah, with the, the eggs. The eggs. Yeah. That, that, like, none of that was scripted. It was funny because they threw these eggs at us, and then Nick caught them both because they were, like, you need to choose, you know, something to make, uh-huh. drama, like, dra- make drama between the employees, like, me and the GM, Karen. They were, like, you need to choose your number one, but then they threw him two eggs, and... Caught them both, but one cracked, and I was like, oh, I can still cook it over easy. And they were like, oh. it was like the fake, everyone's like, oh. like these like stupid fake laughs, but it was really funny, actually. Now I'm like, I'm really glad we have that clip so we can keep laughing. Uh-huh. <laughs> is there anything that you learn and take away from that experience, or is it more just a good story now? Uh, I mean, like, like I said, the number one thing was just that everything was a lie, like yeah. it's produced. It was so, you know, any cooking show you watch, any suspenseful things, it's all. They already know what they're doing, you know. Yeah, they'll there's the freedom that, but they'll kind of guide you along to what they want. So I thought that was that to me was number one because now it's like, all right, well, I I don't really like that. I'm not a fan of that. I, I don't even own a TV. I've never owned a TV. People ask me like, what's your favorite chef? I'm like, I don't really watch TV. Like I'll I'd rather watch like a YouTube tutorial on how to learn to cook something or like Kenji Alt Lopez. That dude is always experimenting and I love that. Like I love getting sciencey in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, just, I don't really, I don't really keep up with a lot of it. I'll just, I'd rather be out in the garden, <laughs> like uh-huh. picking eggplants or something. So I gotcha. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's so funny that you say that. Like I love food. I love eating and everything, but I'm not a good cook. So like I enjoy those shows because, or some of those shows because like, it's at least some window into the world for me, Definitely. but I've started to see over time that 
it's exactly what you said. That window is what they want you to see. And it's gotten to the point with some shows where my wife and I, we can be watching it where we'd be like, okay, they're going to say this now, and then they'll cut to commercial, and then they'll come back, and this is going to happen. <laughs> and it's really sad because then it plays out exactly like that. So it is, it's funny that you mentioned uh, I mean, yeah, you know, it's that. done great things for cooking, but at the same time, yeah, like you kind of got it memorized. You know, like, mm-hmm. all right, I know what's happening. You, you watch enough of them, you're even like, I love that people are like, oh, man, those scallops aren't brown enough. Like, what is this guy doing? You know, you're like, yes. and I was just like, I just don't. I don't sit still long enough to watch it. I'm glad people are into it, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, and people will come out and appreciate it. But I'm like, you guys watch it and tell me, you know, tell me what's up. I'll I'll catch it up later. But it is funny just as like a spectator sport. And I'm like, man, it's my day off. I don't want to I don't want to look into a kitchen again. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, before we get out of here, we got to give some love to Benson Soap Mill. And yeah, it's just, you know, <laughs> it, it's so funny as, as I was doing my research, like I didn't know initially that, that you were a part of this. And then I was like, okay, so there's all this cooking stuff. Oh, and he owns a soap company. Like how did you get into the soap? Business? And that's like the joke. That was like, that's, that was the hobby to get you, get me out of the kitchen. You yeah. Know? Cause it's, it's like cooking. You're working with these ingredients and these smells and it's like, even when Carlos comes down and we're like doing stuff, he's like, man, we just love it here. Like it's quiet. We're making soap. Like it's the exact opposite of a kitchen. You know, uh-huh. like it's stress-free. We're just working, getting stuff done. And it's, uh, it's really relaxing. So we like it. But that, that was just uh, like a passion project. I started with my buddy, Ryan, who's since lived in China for a long time. And um, he was like working in a restaurant. I've always been cooking in restaurants. And we're like, man, there's so much like wasted stuff like fat and all these things. And we were like, man, what can you do with all this? And we were like, oh, let's make soap. <laughs> and we're like, okay. Like we had no idea what we were doing. You're mixing like caustic chemicals and like, sure, stirring this and hoping it works or whatever. But yeah, we started using like lard and like local Nebraska lard and mixing it with uh, like almond oil and some essential oils and stuff like before essential oils got super crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as, you know, as we got better at it and knew what we were doing, I, I try to treat everything that I do like I kind of run it like a kitchen, you know, I'm always like, all right, well, like I know how to do this. How can I apply to here? So I always, I was like, well, rule number one, let's see what's local. What can we work with in the area? And I tracked down this dude, Alan outside of Ord, Nebraska, and he's got a sunflower farm. Mm-hmm. And then you read a bit and sunflower oil is like one of the best ingredients for your skin. It has like 41% vitamin E oil or something. It's like amazing for you. And this guy's growing it right here. And so I was like, I'm just going to hit this guy up. And I didn't like want to offend him because he was selling it as like cooking oil and stuff because mm-hmm. it's really healthy. And I was just like, hey, like, is it cool if I like try something and like turn it into soap or something? Like, I don't know if that's that makes me sound bad or yeah. whatever. But he was just like, oh, sure. Like the chillest good old boy. Love this guy. He was actually just in town the other day dropping off barrels. So, yeah, well, we started buying these little bottles from him. Now I buy 55 gallon barrel drums from him and it's like mechanically cold pressed. I call it liquid gold. It's like so good for your skin. It's so good to eat all this stuff. And so when, when I got a hold of that ingredient, that's kind of when I could, that covered my like localness. So I, we switched from lard then and became vegan um, just cause it kind of washes out of the shower better and you know, all these things. And mm-hmm. yeah, now it's, it's kind of like the go-to soap for a lot of restaurants mm-hmm. and bars just because, you know, a it's, it was Benson. So there's already tons of bars and restaurants there and, it's if you're going to do local food, you're going to use more local products. And so it, it more and more, it just became this hand in hand thing when in the beginning it was just kind of like, 
I want to get out of the kitchen, but still, you know, do something creative and fun that is kind of like cooking, but not. Um, so that's actually where I'm headed after here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah, Monday is like the the errand day for chefs because <laughs> it's like, all right, we got Monday. We have to get everything done uh-huh. for the rest of the week. <laughs> so I was gonna say, when do you find the time to do this? I just call. I have my grandpa's sleep schedule. I sleep from like midnight to seven. Yeah, and I'll like wake up. I'll go through the garden. Pick off the Japanese beetles, uh-huh. drown them, and then from there I kind of start the day. And you just gotta have a good to do list. But I don't, that's why Carlos, Benny, and I get along. We're just we're similarly paced people. And so Carlos actually co-owns the soap mill with me, mm-hmm. so he's also connected there. So we're all kind of <laughs> all over the place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's I like I like keeping busy because otherwise I'll just go to the bars or something. <laughs> or when you could, you know, just like yeah, yeah, I'd rather be doing productive stuff, you know, like. And that's why cooking is great because it still brings people around. You know, it's still, I don't know, like everyone, it's, to me, it's social, mm-hmm. which is a big, you know, what I really enjoy. So it's like a win-win and you get to eat food. So. <laughs> How do you beat that? I mean, that's, that's everything I want. And I think that's been the hardest thing with COVID is just like, I think why the dandelion has done so well is because it, food is so socially ingrained. And that's like, that's why I'm almost like too chatty to be in the back all the time. I get, you know, after I'm, I always say I'm chained to the to the range, like after eight hours of cooking, I'm like, man, I want to get out there. And mm-hmm. so I do like the soap, I'll do the farmer's markets. You get to talk to people, you get to like engage with them, talk about your product and just, you know, geek out about the things you like. And that's harder to do in the back of a kitchen. So mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe I should have been in front of the house. I don't know, but <laughs> I no, I do think there's so much truth to that though. Cause like when Alcarant first opened back up, Sarah and I, my wife, we we went there the first night and everything extremely safe there. Servers are wearing masks, 50% capacity, all that good stuff. The the meal and the food, you know, was fantastic as always. You just know that's going to be the case. But there was just something special about being out and having a meal with other people around. Like we're not even interacting with these other people. They're just sitting at other tables, but we can hear them. And like food is just that sound, right? Yeah. There's, (laughs) it was just like a communal experience, even though we were separate, we were all experiencing the same thing together. So I do think, you know, when you, when you speak to that community aspect of food and you know, how it does just kind of make this whole COVID situation more depressing, that, (laughs) that really resonates. I I hadn't, gone out to eat at all we went to corning to see joel mar at yeah. Rose. that was like the first since everything happened it was like the first restaurant we ate out at because he had a little patio and it was dope and loved that guy mm-hmm. like omaha misses him we like oh it sucks we don't have him but it, his place in iowa's dope and then after uh the dandelion event i was somehow still Still had energy, but <laughs> still my alive. roommate, Lauren, or my old roommate, but she was in town and she hadn't been to Yoshitomo yet. Oh, yes. And I was like, I don't know, let's check it out. Like, it's Friday, but it was like 4.30. It was early. So we went in there. Everyone's masked up. No one was there yet. So we like, I realized like, yeah, we snuck in on a Friday before it got busy. And we had some of the dopest food. You know, I was just like, it was, and it's just so nice to get served food. Uh-huh. <laughs> like when you're cooking it all the time, I'm like, this is the best feeling ever. Like, I didn't cook this. I can just eat it and enjoy it. Um, and that was a real reward for sure. <laughs> awesome. All right. I got two more questions that I got for you before we get out of here. And I like to ask these of, of basically every guest I have on just because I'm fascinated. And I think other people are too. What is one thing about working in the restaurant industry that you wish more people understood? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like the blood, sweat and tears. I mean, 
I know a lot of, I mean, we're lucky we have a lot of good chefs. They make it look easy. Like, there's good food here. They crank it out. Like, and that's my that's my biggest struggle is, like, I think I even saw, like, a review at Au Courant, and he was like, it used to be a five. He's like, how to drop it to a three-star because something was slipping, the inevitable decline. Jeez. And this was during COVID, and I was like, bro, you have no clue. <laughs> like, these places are just, A, trying to stay open. Like, B, take care of their employees because you're family in a restaurant. Uh-huh. Like, they're bending over backward. Like, it just blew my mind that, like, something that, you know, food is what unites all of us. We all have to eat. And then that he just, like, turned it into this thing. I was like, man, like, these people have no clue. Like, mm-hmm. you're... You're, you know, like it's the service industry. Like one of your dishwashers is sick. Like one of your line cooks is too hungover. Like there's just got arrested. There's yeah, a anything. million <laughs> variables that you work with every day, and like people love critiquing food because everyone knows food. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks they know food. So like, and that's actually why I like the soap because it, people are really nice about it. Like no <laughs> one's like, you know, this soap look the color was weird. You know, like we have no none of those reviews. So it's it's like very chill in that regard but yeah like for dining like i don't think people understand like how the stress and just like how much work it is um that that we're doing and that's what i've even said it before i was just like like i was frustrated at some point and i was like i don't think people in omaha deserve akron you mm-hmm. know like i know what they're doing i know how hard they're working i know i've traveled plenty i know in any other city you'd be booked out five months in advance. Mm-hmm. Because, Especially at those prices. I mean, I, I go to Brooklyn to the hippest spots and it, it's not the same. Like, yeah. I'm like, for how much I just spent here, take me to Akron twice. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm good, you know, or exactly. like Hunger Block. Like any of these places, I'm just like, dude, like we make good stuff and here people complain about how expensive it is because they don't realize that I see eight farmers roll through the back of Akron's kitchen. Like it is, nothing is more local than that. And some people are like, why is this so expensive? I'm like, I don't know, because, like, this lady's growing that and she deserves a living wage. You know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I think you can pay a dollar or two more to help, you know, support each other. And that's that's what I really like. But, yeah, I think there's a big disconnect there. Maybe because, you know, like, on TV they don't show all that. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> they don't show, like, how much work it is. But, yeah, that's a big one for me. I think it's the analogy that I hear so often um, is that, you know, it's like, watching a duck on a pond and everything looks smooth and calm on the surface and the feet are just like paddling (laughs) so furiously underneath. And you just, we have no idea if if you haven't worked in the kitchen and I'll full disclosure, I haven't, we don't know unless we actually talk to you guys and and get that perspective. And I know that I've learned so much and I have so much more respect for everything that you guys do because it's so much harder than anyone. I mean, I love that because you need both because it's yeah. like without you, who are we cooking for? You know? Yeah. So to me, that's why it's just like, it's a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why now that my dinner line is done, I mean, you'll catch me there almost every week. Cause I'm just like, yes. Like <laughs> now for my favorite part, I can eat food that I didn't cook, you know? So I exactly. love it. Like I'm, I'm, I'll be there all the time. <laughs> and then uh, last question for you. What is your favorite part about being in the restaurant industry, cooking, just in general about food? I mean, I just, yeah, I love how interconnected everything is. Like, I mean, yeah, I just love how the community of it. I mean, it, like you said, it just brings everyone together. And to me, I love, you know, like we hang out with farmers who are growing this food and then you've got chefs preparing it. And then you have people who are like, you know, on Instagram and making podcasts. And it's like this whole scene like you know, ecosystem it's, yeah it's great and it's and to me it's working perfectly when you know people are supporting each other you know trying new things and like that's what you want um but yeah just the people man i mean even 
even Omaha in general, like I'm always like, yeah, there's not a lot going on here, but the people are amazing, you know? And so the fact that you can do this dandelion and there's like a liner on the block, you're just like, man, this is awesome. You know, you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, maybe it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think that's the number one thing is like, I, I love people. I love seeing what they can do and just the creativity. And like I said earlier, like if, if you get to eat food at the end, like, this is the <laughs> the jackpot. Like, who doesn't want to eat tasty snacks, you know, mm -hmm. and try new things? Um, but I think that's the big one for me, for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Tim, this has been fantastic. I need to let you go make some more awesome soap. <laughs> but I thank you so much for giving yeah, us the time and for, for coming me. on yeah. the show today. This was seriously a real pleasure. Thank you. All right. And Omaha, thanks for eating with us.